Warning, a mentor once told me, you cannot master what you do not measure. So my warning to you is, are you measuring and tracking all the key metrics in your personal finances or in your business? Because if you're not, you need to stay tuned, watch and listen very carefully. And I'm going to get specific. So there are certain metrics that are absolutely essential to predictably grow your personal finances or your business finances. And if you're not tracking them like a Kung Fu master, like a Mr. Miyagi Yoda, then your business could look good and there's cash in the bank, but it could be failing. So I'm going to share with you a good dozen essential business and income metrics, profit and loss, management accounts and balance sheet, gross profit, cost of sales and net profit, deferred income and retained earnings, revenue per staff member, staff turnover, average tenure of staff member, cash flow or debtor days, refund rates or percentages, cash in bank versus deferred income, net promoter score, lifetime client value, maximum acquisition cost, forecast budgets, targets. And if you're not asleep and you're still with me, you're going to love this. Now, I'll be honest, I probably wasn't one for metrics and spreadsheets and data and numbers and yawn. But it is so true. This just stays with me. I got taught this 15 years ago. You cannot master what you do not measure. So here we go. Are you ready? Let's have it. Don't go anywhere. I will find you. I will kill you. Don't go anywhere. You need this shit in your life. It's really important. So profit and loss stroke management accounts. So your management accounts show the estimated profit and loss of your business. You'd usually have a yearly set of management accounts and then you could track last year's, year before, year before. So your management accounts are your abbreviated or estimated profit and loss and then ultimately they'll get filed for your tax return and the accountant will go through them and probably change them a bit. Now, um, most companies I know don't even have a set of management accounts. So uh, just give me a yes if you have a set of management accounts. Give me a no if you don't. And the yes can be in your head, as you think. <laughs> or you can comment if you're watching me anywhere. Now, management accounts show the turnover, cost of sales, gross profit, um, fixed overhead, variable overhead, net profit, retained earnings, etc. That's roughly what it is. You can get a set of management accounts off an accountant or even off the internet. And you'd start with a generic set and then you'd evolve them, adapt them over time and make each line item. You'd take some line items out. We don't do that in our business. You'd add some line items in. This is very important in our business. You know, we run events. So we have cost of events in the line items. We have different trainers that we pay. So we take that out of wages because it's not a wage. It's a cost of sales. So it goes in cost of sale. Now, um, Sean has said my accountant does all that. That's all good. But I definitely think you should be tracking your management accounts internally such that you get to see them seven to 21 days after month end. So if you are not seeing a full set of management accounts between seven and 21 days after month end, you do not know what's going on in your business. And by the way, I'm not saying this to shame anyone. I did say this is warning. This is a warning. You cannot master what you do not measure. 
but we probably didn't have management accounts for years. How would, what would be our way of tracking the um, success of the company? Check the fucking bank account. Oh, there's money in the bank account. We're doing well. Oh, there's no money in the bank account. We're not doing well. We better put some sales of money in the bank account. Shit. Oh, there's money in the bank account. Oh, relief. <laughs> there's no way to run a business. So you want your management account seven to 21 days after month end. If you've got a seven or a 14 day refund policy or some kind of guarantee, you've probably got to do them after that or have them um, accurate after that. And then you can read them and you can work out your turnover, your gross profit, your cost of sales, your net profit, your fixed costs, your variable costs. And then you can track from last month, from last quarter, from last year, month on month. Uh, and you can see the health and vitality of your business. Next then is the balance sheet. So the balance sheet is essentially um, the capital of your company. It's the assets um, and the liabilities. So the assets would be things that the company have purchased. It might be IP or it might be machinery or stock, etc. Uh, and then the liabilities might be the loans, um, it might be uh, uh, creditors, debtors, depending on which way around you're looking at it. So the balance sheet is really important. You can depreciate assets on the balance sheet, which come off your tax bill. Um, and of course, you're going to have a net positive or net negative balance sheet based on the assets versus the liabilities. So this is definitely also important to track. Again, a balance sheet is a fairly standardized um, process in accounting. You can get it off an accountant or a tax advisor or even just off the internet. Okay, by the way, if you're finding this useful, please hit the share button. Um, I really don't think that 90% plus, I've got no um, data on this, by the way. You know when people say, oh, 90% or 99% actually don't have a clue. <laughs> I don't have a clue what percentage of small or medium-sized business owners are tracking profit and loss management account and balance sheet. But if I were to guess, nine out of 10 aren't properly. Uh, by the way, when, you when you're a medium-sized business, you actually have to um, have more official account filing. You have to do this legally. Okay, then you've got gross profit, cost of sale, and net profit. So gross profit is turnover minus cost of sale. Cost of sale is what the sale costs. And then net profit is after all expenses. Uh, and if you have a high cost of sale, your gross profit margin will be less. If you have a low cost of sale, your gross profit margin will be more. If you have a high overhead, your net profit margin will be less. You need to track gross profit, cost of sale and net profit. Sometimes me and my senior team, we look at our management accounts and they'll go through and say, oh, staff, that's the um, highest cost we have in our business. Or, oh, marketing, that's the highest cost we have in our business. And I go, no, it's not. It's cost of sale. <laughs> because we can pay 35, 40% cost of sale on the sale because we have partners and trainers and collaborators, which we have to deduct. So you need to know gross profit, cost of sale, net profit. People say turnover is vanity and profit is sanity. Well, in some ways, yes, because obviously you're not making on turnover. You're only making on net profit. But if your target is growth and to sell to a, um, a major chain or you've got you want to build market share or it's a feeder for other companies, actually turnover could be as important as profit. Your, your purpose might not be profit. It might be deferring all the income and building up the deferred income, the subscription income, the ongoing revenue. Which leads me nicely onto the next one, which is deferred income and retained earnings. So deferred income, it, you've taken the cash, or maybe you haven't taken the cash, but you haven't yet delivered the service or the product. So for example, let's say you have a payment plan and someone puts a deposit down and then they pay over six months. 
Um, well, the six monthly payments is deferred income or they've paid in full, but then the, the service is delivered in the next three months or six months. So what you would do is you would cash account in the month for that service that was delivered and then you would defer the income into your profit and loss over the months. So you can not necessarily make much profit in the month, but be building your deferred income quite well. We had probably our best August ever this year. Um, but actually, net profit in that month was a, a small minus, like minus, say, 45 grand. But the deferred income added was 350 grand, I think, 300 to 350 grand. If all of that money had gone in August, that would have been a net profit margin in that month for what that company of over 300,000 pounds. You take that. Not bad. Job done. Good result. So you can look at the profit and go, oh, we, did, we made a loss. But actually, it's a much lower loss than previous August because August is our worst month. But when you add all the money onto the deferred income, it actually looks really good because what's going to happen is as that money gets released in that future month, that's going to go onto your management accounts or your profit and loss for that month. And essentially, the more deferred income you have, you already have a, an amount of retained earnings in that month. So you have to earn less in that month to make a profit on your management accounts. All right, great. So retained earnings is the profit that's left in the company. What a lot of people do is look at the bank and go, oh, we've got cash. I'll draw some. Or they look at the bank and go, oh, we haven't got any cash. I won't draw any. That is not the way to take drawings or dividends or salary. Um, the way to do it is to look at the returned, retained earnings. So retained earnings are profits retained in the business. You can only draw on retained profits. If you have no retained profits, you cannot draw because you, bec you could become insolvent. <sighs> Don't want to do that. All right, I hope you're finding this useful. If you're listening in, please hit the share button because I do not believe that most entrepreneurs track any of these KPIs, profit and loss, management accounts, balance sheet, gross profit, cost of sale, net profit, deferred income, retained earnings. I've got quite a few more to go. But before that, um, I just want to let you know I'm running a private Zoom mastermind on Monday, October the 18th for just 20 lucky people. When I say lucky, it's not nothing to do with luck. If you donate just 2,500 stars on this Facebook Live here, and by the way, if you listen, if this becomes a podcast episode, make sure you follow me on Facebook, watch my videos or go and watch my video and just do the star donation there. You can do it retrospectively. But if you're one of the first 20 that donates 2,500 stars right now or as soon as you can, screenshot your star donation and email it to rob at robmore.com. That's rob at robmore.com. I'm going to put you on a three-hour Zoom mastermind with me and 19 other people like you, serious, committed, focused, relentless entrepreneurs who want to start and scale their business and do have meaningful products and services that change the world. So if so far you found this content in the vaguest bit useful, and by the way, I've got another two-thirds of it to come, make sure you donate those stars right now. For you, There's a star button somewhere on the Facebook Live. You can do it on the live video or the recorded video. You can still do it or you can come back and do it on a video. Do it now if you're watching live. Um, now, in this three hour Zoom mastermind with me in what, three weeks time, just under, um, you're going to get 15 minutes one to one with me in the, in the mastermind environment. You can ask your most challenging question, the thing that's holding you back, the thing that you really want to um, solve and, and transcend. And imagine that one thing, if it were solved or transcended, how would, you know, something that you would feel like you could really liberate yourself or grow quicker or make more money. You're going to throw that and pose that to me. And I'm going to use my 15 years experience generating $150 million and more in revenue in a training company, building a tens of millions of pounds property portfolio that makes millions of pounds, authoring 18 books, having 900 and nearly a thousand podcast episodes, doing thousands of lives, thousands of keynote speeches. 
um, interviewing 15 billionaires, my 16th coming this week. So um, if, if any of those areas you would like to get help in, I can help you. All you need to do is donate on this video, 2,500 stars. It's just a very, very small, I think that's about 20 or $30. It's not much money at all, especially if you buy stars in bulk and you just do it through Facebook. It's really quick and easy. Um, and then donate the stars, screenshot the star donation, and then email it to rob at robmore.com. I'll get you booked in. Now, I've, I've offered this on a couple of lives before. I think we have four, no, 16, maybe 14 to 16. I'll have to count people booked on and I only want 20. So I'm talking four or five people max watching this. So do it right now. Okay. Um, yeah, if you can only donate in 500 chunks or 200 chunks, don't worry. Just donate that five times or 15 times. Um, you'll get there in the end. It's just, you know, this stars feature is really new on Facebook still. So, um, yeah, it might not be that easy to use, but just figure it out. It's worth it. Um, okay, next then is... Revenue per staff member. You need to know what the revenue is generated per staff member in your company. I'm looking for a one to two times return on admin and a five plus return on sales. So if, um, and, and when I say one to two times return, one to two times salary. So an admin staff member, I'm ideally looking to target two times their salary and revenue they generate for me and my company. If it's a sales or marketing or revenue generating staff member, I'm looking for five times plus their salary in revenue that they generate. You must track um, revenue per staff member admin, revenue per staff member revenue generation, and revenue per staff member average. So it's basically some staff aren't deemed as being revenue generating admin operations. Some staff are deemed as revenue generating sales marketing. So that's how I break the two down. You must track that revenue per staff member and see it going up. If it goes down, that's not always bad because you could be scaling, but you could be getting less lean, more bloated. Okay, next thing you want to track is your staff turnover rate. What's the percentage of staff every year that leave? And then the average tenure. Now, the average tenure for staff members is only about two years. I think we're at three years. So that's be much better than the average. Because if you've got, I, I would say 30% staff turnover for us is kind of okay because we're quite a fast-growing company. If it goes beyond that, we're like, oh, you know, the recruitment fees are going to go up. There's a, a, an attritional cost of that. So ideally, your staff turnover will go down as a percentage and your average turnover will go up as an amount of time. Next then is uh, cash flow or debtor days. So you agree the sale, when do you get the money? The, the time between agreeing the sale or the invoice raised to getting the money in is your cash flow days or your debtor days. Um, and you want them to reduce and reduce and reduce and reduce. The longer your cash flow or debtor days or your cash flow cycle, that's a difficult um, proposition for your business because it could hurt cash flow. It, you increase the risk of not getting that money and suppliers or customers going bust on you, etc. So you want to get those cash flow or debt days, your cash flow cycle down and down and down and down and down, ideally. Next um, business metric to master and measure is your refund rate and, and or percentage. So we target 3%, which is pretty good. Uh, you know, we can be 15, 20 million plus a year. Um, but, you know, you will know in your industry is 1% high, is 10% high. Um, and you want to track getting that down every year because reducing refunds doesn't cost you any money externally in marketing costs or acquisition costs. It's just making your business more productive, effective, lean, efficient. So track your refund percentage. I probably track a lot of these every quarter. Update them. Some maybe every half or year, like staff turnover, etc. 
Next thing to essentially measure uh, in your business is cash in bank versus deferred income. So we do about 60 to 65% cash in bank and the rest is deferred income, i.e. payment plans or subscriptions or future promised revenue. Now, all of that doesn't come in because we also have our refund rate or our bad debt. That's another thing you should check, uh, measure your bad debt ratio as a percentage. What's your percentage of revenue that goes into bad debt? Um, and hopefully, again, that's small. Um, but cash in bank is the money you receive today. For, now, some of you, you just it's all 100% cash in bank. But some of you have payment plans, deferred income, subscription models. So you do a sale, you get a contract, you get some money today, but then you get the next money next month, the next installment next month, the next installment next month. Now, both have benefits, by the way. Cash in bank today, obviously, money, to, money today is worth more than money tomorrow. So you get the cash in bank today. You haven't got the bad debt or the, the, um, you know, the cash flow days, the cash flow cycle. But deferred income increases future um, management account stroke potential profit. The more that's deferred, the higher your business valuation is because you've got more secure contracts and more promise of future money. So I like both, not just cash in bank. But if I can get the cash in the bank, I will. And we have a target of around 60 to 65% is our average cash in bank versus deferred. Okay, next, essential business metric to master and measure is net promoter score or NPS. Um, NPS is essentially your customer satisfaction or your staff satisfaction. So I do internal and external net promoter score about every three to six months. Zero is I fucking hate your company. Um, or I fucking hate this job and here's my resignation letter and you can roll it up and put in your pipe and smoke it. And I love you is I want to live in your office. I want to have my wedding. I want you to be my best man at the wedding, Rob. So net promoter score, simple zero to 10. Um, and you do a survey maybe every three to six months to your um, customers and community and internally to your staff and you're looking to just that average score to go up and up and up and up. Bosh. All right, then we've got lifetime client value and maximum acquisition cost, my friends. So lifetime client value is the lifetime revenue you generate per client. Why must you track this? Because if you sell again or you extend or you have a subscription or you upsell, downsell or cross-sell to existing clients, you're generating more revenue per client. And after that first sale, all the other sales have no cost of sale. So your cost of sale can be really high. It can be 10, 20, 30 percent of the um, actual sale. Um, but then once you've done the sale, there's no more cost of sale. So lifetime client value should go up as you sell more to existing customers or you increase the prices or you extend them, renew them, have more deferred income. So you must track lifetime client value. If it's going up, then the amount of products you're selling and the prices you're offering are going up. That's lifetime client value. And then MAC or maximum acquisition cost is the maximum you can pay to acquire a client. And if you say to me, oh, well, Rob, I don't spend any money on marketing because I just do everything by referrals. That means you're not growing quick enough and that means you're too small. So maximum acquisition cost is a metric that you use to have a limit on what you would pay for a client, but you want to go up to that limit. So for me, I target 50% of net profit. So let's say a product is a grand. Net profit is 30%, 300 uh, my maximum acquisition cost is 50% of net profit on a, a one-time sale. So I'll pay 150 quid out of a grand or 50% of the 300 quid, which is the 30% margin to acquire the client. So I'm still making a profit, but I'm making half the normal profit if I didn't have to pay to acquire the client. That's my Mac. You might work less or more depending on your lifetime client value. 
If you only sell one product, you can't really spend more than 50% of the net margin. Otherwise, you just have no margin. You're just paying to make no margin. Whereas if you have five products, you can pay a higher maximum acquisition cost. In theory, you could have a lost leader or pay 100% of the profit margin on product one, knowing that they've got product two, three, four, five. Do you know on Amazon, they make 64% of their revenue from Amazon Web Services? Yeah, that's a mic drop moment. 64%, according to my friend Daniel Priestley, 64% of all Amazon revenue is Amazon Web Services. So in theory, they can make not really much money on everything they sell on Amazon if they can then upsell, cross-sell or downsell people into Amazon Web Services. Really insightful, that is. Okay, and then finally, you need to do forecast budgets and then have targets. So you'll have your yearly target and you'll look at last year and you'll go, hmm, I want 25% growth or 50% growth on last year. And so that'll be your target. And then you're going to target a gross revenue and then a net profit. And then your um, forecast is forecasting the monthly revenue. And by the way, that's not just the, the month divided by 12 because for us, August and December are low revenue months. So we'd actually, the forecast would slightly change month by month. And then the budget is the amount you spend on marketing um, and acquiring the clients. So you set your grand target five years out, three years out, two years out, one year out. You do the forecast month on month of revenue for each month moving up. And then you do the budgets of what you can, what you can spend that month on, on marketing and, and, and other costs to acquire clients. So let me just do a quick summary for you. I hope you're finding this useful. I will be probably posting this as an episode on the disruptive entrepreneur podcast. So if you're watching the live, make sure you subscribe to the disruptive entrepreneur podcast. If you're listening to the disruptive entrepreneur podcast, make sure that you go and follow me on Facebook because people there on Facebook get the opportunity to donate stars um, and watch the, some of the content live. I would say one in three, one in four episodes is repurposed live and on the podcast and the rest are specific fit for either just lives or just podcasts. But if you're following me on Facebook, then you get to get involved in all these star donations and all that kind of stuff. So if you're listening on the um, podcast, thanks for tuning in. And remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Quick summary is the essential business metrics are profit and loss, management accounts and balance sheet. Gross profit, cost of sales and net profit. Deferred income, retained earnings. Revenue per staff member. Staff turnover, average staff tenure. Cash flow or debtor days, refund rates or percentages, cash in bank versus deferred, net promoter score internally to staff, externally to uh, customers and clients, lifetime client value, maximum acquisition cost, forecasts, budgets and targets. I recommend anyone who's listening or watching who is a business owner, send this to your accounts department, send this to your PA, send this to whoever's doing your, your, your metrics or your tracking. And if the, you haven't got anyone tracking all these metrics, find someone in the office to do it and then send them this and get them to listen to it on 0.3 times speed and implement it. Boom.